All right, the lesson this morning will be taken from Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 27. And the subject of the lesson is about the least and the greatest, and it's a lesson in humility. Let's read these verses together. Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse 24. And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that setteth at meat, or he that serveth? Is not he that setteth at meat, isn't he the greatest? But I am among you as he that serveth. This is a lesson that we all need to learn. It's a lesson in humility. Now, I pray that the Lord himself teach us these precious lessons as he taught his disciples. Now, it's difficult at best to make any comparison between the natural and the spiritual. We have to be careful. Our Lord was a master at it. He knew how to do it. And we do well to follow his example. But it's difficult. And this difficulty, I think, no doubt, is more than anything else to blame for misinterpretation of the Scriptures and misapplication of the Scriptures. We have a difficulty perceiving these spiritual things. There's just nothing really to compare them to. And when we do, it's just a slight comparison. Brother Mahan used to tell me, don't try to take these things and make them walk. (laughs) They're, They're not whole in themselves. They're just partial things. And not only are they difficult to compare, they are in fact the very opposite. And that's what he just showed them about the Gentiles. The kingdom of God is the very opposite of the way this world thinks and operates. In the natural realm, success is measured by gain. In the spiritual realm, success is measured by loss. Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. In the society we live in, a self-made man is admired. He goes out here and he has nothing and he starts a business and he makes a business out of it. He's admired. He, they call it, he's a self-made man. But in the spiritual realm, he's condemned. Without me, our Lord said, you can do nothing. In this world, ambition and aggressiveness are commendable things. In the world to come, they're deplorable. 
Natural men in this natural world who strive for advancement and promotion are admired, but not so in the kingdom of God. There we're taught to strive for humility and servitude. The title of the lesson today is a lesson in humility. And our lesson begins with a strife. Now, let me remind you of what had just gone on. They had just, our Lord had just fulfilled the Passover. He himself fulfilled what was typical of him for thousands of years. And he set these 12 men down at a table and ate the Passover with them and then instituted the Lord's table. And he himself got up and broke the bread and handed it to them, poured the wine in the cup and passed it around, divided it out among them and established the Lord's Supper. And then he told them, Have not I chosen you twelve and one of you is a devil? One of you is going to forsake me. One of you is going to sell me out. One of you has a devil. On the one hand, they were exceeding sorrowful. You can read about it in Matthew 26, 22. They were all exceeding sorrowful and each of them humbly asking, Is it I? Is it I? And in a moment's time, they were arguing about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. Almost unbelievable, isn't it? The bread and the wine were still fresh in their bodies, but their minds had already vacated the building. There was not a a more monumental occasion than what they just witnessed. The fulfillment of the Passover lamb, the preparation for their exodus, their departure. They'd eaten of the typical lamb, which was served to them by the lamb. And the Son of God, in an unprecedented act of humility and servitude, had stooped down and washed their feet. Only twelve men in the history of mankind were privileged to have the Son of Man, Jehovah's servant, kneel down with a towel and wash their feet. Only twelve. And to serve them the Passover personally, and then tell them what it meant. And they couldn't find anything else to talk about but some future station and authority and honor in the kingdom of God. Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest? But before we slam the gavel of judgment upon them, Maybe we ought to consider ourselves. Uh, Is not this Passover lamb set before us every time we hear the gospel preached? Is not that bread broken and that wine served? Spiritually. As we sit and hear the word of God proclaimed, are we not being served again and again by the Son of God? He that heareth you heareth me, he said. 
Are we few experiencing a great privilege that millions around us will never have? God Himself is in this room bestowing His saving grace and mercy and no sooner than His bread and wine is eaten and drank than our minds are drawn back into the world that we live in. We're not talking about spiritual things. We're talking about what we're going to do next week. If it warms up, I'm going to go fishing. If the weather's right, I can work. You know, we start talking about this world. And it's vain and empty joys. Thank God for a loving, merciful, and gracious Savior. Now listen to me. He who knew them as they were. They didn't know themselves, but He did. And He who knew themselves as they were served them as they were. Huh? Boy, I tell you, if that don't bring some comfort to your heart, He knows what we are. He knows how we are. He knows what we're going to do before we do it. And and this, we need to be reminded of this constantly. Salvation's for sinners. It's for sinners. And I don't encourage you to sin that grace may abound. That's not what I'm up here trying to do. Believers despise their sin. Their sin's what nailed him to the cross. Sin lies at the root of all of our troubles. Sin entered, death passed. We know what sin is. Sin, when it's finished, the Scripture says, bringeth forth death, eternal death. Yet the best of men are sinners at best. And sinners who shall be saved require a servant. Do they not? They require a servant. Not one to tend their wants, but one to tend their needs. And while our Lord was here in this world, He served His Father by serving those given to Him, trusted, if you will, to Him by His Father. He served the sick and the demon-possessed. He served the halt and the blind. He served the hungry and thirsty souls. He served the wayward and lost. He served as a preacher. Can you imagine the eternal Word of God Standing behind a pulpit teaching people. Uh, he served. He served as a preacher, as a teacher, as a representative, as a substitute, a mediator, a prophet, priest, and king. He served. He said, I am among you as he that serveth. And which is greater, he said. Which is greater? To sit at the table and be served? Yes, he said, that's... But he said, what am I doing? Huh? I'm serving you. I'm serving you. Now, I don't know how you think about Christ our Savior, but here he tells us how we should. Verse 25. He said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they exercise authority upon them, and they're called benefactors. But you shall not be so. 
But he that's greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that's chief, as he that does serve. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Serving God is about an attitude. It's all in the attitude. And nowhere I know of is this lesson stated better than Philippians chapter 2. He begins with a necessary act of God in the hearts of believers, and without this miracle of grace, the rest will be impossible. Philippians 2 verse 1. If there be therefore, if, that's a big if, if there be any consolation in Christ, is there? Are you consoled with the person of Christ? Is he your consolation? When everything's going down the tube, when everything just being taken away when everything seems like it. Where's your consolation? In a bunch of facts? Or in a person? And this is what Paul's asking. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, I tell you, when the world turns you upside down and rings you out, there's nothing more comforting to you than to find out the Lord loves you. <laughs> huh? When did it start? <laughs> Farther back than I can go. When did he quit? He never did. When will he quit? He never will. Or what if? Read Romans chapter 8. There is no what if. He that loved you from the beginning will love you to the end. You comforted with that? Oh, my soul. And then he said, if any fellowship of the Spirit. What's he talking about? He's talking about the revelation of Christ. He's talking about light coming into a dark soul. He's talking about everlasting life. He's talking about understanding. To you, it's given to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. It's not given to them. Huh? Is there any fellowship of the Spirit? Fellers in the same ship. I'll tell you, the Spirit of God reveals Christ. That's what He does. When He comes, He's not going to speak of Himself. He's going to take the things of mine and show them unto you. If there's any fellowship, it's fellows in that ship. In Christ. And then he said, If any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy, that you might be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. There's a unity of faith and experience of grace in every believer. Every man born of God. There's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And it leaves the sinner with a real consolation in Christ. It, it leaves a sinner with a real comfort of love and real fellowship in the Spirit and equips us with what he calls bowels and mercies. Bowels, what's that? 
That he's talking about the inward spleen. The spleen. He's talking about the intestines, the guts of the body. And he uses the word bowels here to describe an inward work. This is not an outward confirmation. It's not an outward uh, um, adherence to things, although that's included in it. But it goes much further than that. It goes clear to the inside. A new man, an inward man, a new creation, not an outward show, but a real transformation. And if there be any bowels of mercy, he said, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded. The joy of a true servant of God is to see that work that was performed in himself performed in others. That's joy. Huh? Oh, that's joy. Performed in those he ministers to. And having the love of God manifested in Christ crucified, shed abroad in the hearts, of them he ministers to. That's a joy. Being of one accord and one mind. Now listen, verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Huh? Let each esteem other better than themselves. Beware of pointing down. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Oh, let me tell you about them people. (laughs) You can't point down when you're sitting at the bottom. (laughs) The only way you can point up. Isn't it? Let each esteem other better than themselves. And as the Lord reveals to you what you are, you'll sit on the bottom. That's where you sit. And you'd be glad to sit there. Old Mephibosheth, I think about him. They, they brought him in, carried him in. He couldn't walk. And they set him down at the king's table. They dressed him both. Dressed him head to foot. Put royal garments on him. And carried him in and set him at the king's table. And the king come in and sat down. And the king's servants come and put the food down before him. You think he put them fingers in there? Like he's, uh-uh, uh-uh. He's saying, who am I to receive mercy, to receive grace to such a dead dog as I am? Huh? He's at the bottom. He's at the bottom. He's blessed of God, but he's sitting on the bottom. Imagine, if you can, a great potentate. I mean a great potentate. And you as his servant being charged with the care of his future heir. We could not help but esteem him better than ourselves, could we? We're just a servant. Here's the heir. This is the heir. He said, look not on every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. 
And I'm sure the servant has needs, but no potentate will allow his servant who ministers to his heir go unshod or naked or hungry. He's his servant. When they see him, it reflects on the master. It reflects on the potentate. That man's going to be dressed sharp. He's a servant to his future heir. He's going to be shot. Oh, he's not going to go on shot. He's not going to be barefoot. He's not going to lack anything. He's ministering to his sons and daughters. That servant will be well cared for. Now, here's the crux of it. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, he was the heir, wasn't he? He came down from the Godhead. He said, if God were your father, you'd have loved me. I proceeded forth and came from God. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now watch this. But made himself of no reputation. Huh? If you go to dinner, he didn't get the prime spot. The Pharisees and the doctors of the law and the scribes, they got the, the high seats. They got the choice seats. He made himself of no reputation and he took on him the form of a servant. And he was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and he become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Our Lord in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was and is in every wit God. Eternal God, Almighty God, but assuming human flesh, He took upon Himself the form of a servant. And everything He did, He did as a servant, ministering to the heirs of God. That's what He was doing. Being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and become obedient. Obedient how? Obedient to the redemptive will of God. Obedient to His station as mediator, prophet, priest, king. Obedient as Jehovah's servant, the Savior of His children. And to what extent was He obedient? Unto death. Even the death of the cross. Now there's a time to serve and a time to be served. Our Lord is a man among men and this world was a servant. He served his father being entrusted with the care of his heirs. And he served him unto death, even the death of the cross. Knowing this, he humbled himself, he become obedient, and the whole reason for his being in this world was to do his father's redemptive will. And this he did Perfectly, continuously. There was never a time, Walter, when he said, Well, I'm going to let this go for a little while. Uh uh-uh. uh. 
It was continuously and it was sufficiently even unto death. There was no other reason for him to be here. Is there another reason why you're here? Huh? There's no other reason for him to be here. No other reason for him to have the being or the form of a man. None except to serve his father. You and I lack nothing if we be in Christ. We are as saved as we're ever going to be. We're fully equipped for glory and ready to meet Him in the air when He calls. There is but one reason for us to be here, and that is to serve our Father's will and the salvation of chosen sinners. That's why we're here. How do we serve? We become obedient. <laughs> obedient. Boy, I tell you, that word's like a mountain sometimes, isn't it? Obedient. Obedient to what? Well, we minister to those who shall be heirs of salvation. Service is our calling. Is it not? In, in Ephesians 4 verse 1, Paul tells us to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. What vocation? Servants of God. That's what we are. Servants of God. Ministers to God's heirs. And to do so with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering and forbearing one another in love. It shouldn't be hard for us to minister to sinners saying we're sinners ourselves. It shouldn't be hard for us to understand them. We've done the same things. We think the same things. We're tempted by the same things. Oh, great God in heaven, teach this poor sinner how to serve. Give me a heart of understanding and a deep affection and a bowels of mercy and forgiveness and whatever else goes on in my life, let it take a back seat to this. A lot of times people say, well, why don't you just do that? <laughs> because that's in the back seat. That's why. Let everything else in your life take a back seat to this. Whatever else requires my attention, let this have the preeminence. Let my family, boy, that's a hard thing to learn, ain't it? Let my family, my friends, my job, and my health all take a second place to this. Help me to lose my life in service to the Heavenly Father. Just lose it. Just, just let it get lost. <laughs> uh, quit trying to preserve it. Just, just let it be lost. This is what I'm called to do. Well, how do I go about it? Be obedient. Obey the will of the Lord. Let this mind be in me which was also in Christ Jesus. Oh, Heavenly Father, would you be pleased to enable us to learn, to understand, and to be his servants of grace. For Christ's sake. Amen.